Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be but I still think how amazing it is that Nehemiah already had given a time frame to the king before he ever got to see the walls for himself. He already gave a time frame to the king. How do you give a time frame of when you're going to be done before you know what the project actually looks like with your own eyes? If I'm going to give you a time frame on something, I need to see it first. This is completely 180 from that. He said time frame. Now he's finally getting a look at it. Uh, Jerusalem's walls, you know, when I think about how damaged they were the, the the animal couldn't even pass through it was such a bad mess they must have looked like mountains of rubble it must have been piled up like crazy he probably had to climb through it and it just must have looked terrible and in verse 12 nehemiah stated that god had put all of this in his heart already god put it in there like when i left to go to ministry i didn't know what mountains i was going to have to climb over to get to wherever god was bringing me I didn't know. I'm glad he didn't show me. I'm glad I didn't get a a point like this where, okay, here it is, Ray, like Nehemiah gets to see it. I'm glad he didn't show me. It has scared me. But here he is now. God put it in his heart. So Nehemiah, I'm just going to make the point that Nehemiah did not need to know up front what the situation already looked like. He didn't need to know that, seeing it. All Nehemiah had to do was obey and go. That's all he had. Obey and go. How did he get all the logistics? God put it in his heart. How did he know what materials? God put it in his heart. How did he know the time frame? God put it in his heart. He's just now getting to see the mess. When God calls you, obey and go. No, I need to see it first. He's like, well, God would say, well, you can't see it first. You, you have to just go there. Just go. Forget all the stuff involved with it. God's already got that figured out already. God calls you to something. He's already planned it. He's already prophesied it. He's already covenanted it. Is that a word? I'm, I'm a redneck. Forgive me. He's already set all that stuff up. Just obey and go. Just go. Well, I don't know. Just go. Well, how about just go? Am I getting through yet? Just go. Okay. <laughs> I've lived it. So verse 13, he went to the refuse gate. It's also known as the dung gate. Yay. When I went to go see the wailing wall, we passed through the dung gate. And yeah, there's a lot of jokes we can make out of that right now if you wanted to. I remember we walked through it. I'm like, guys, you realize what we just walked through here is like up there on the gate. (laughs) But we went through the dung gate. And then verse 14, he came to the king's pool. That's probably what's known as the pool of Siloam where Jesus told the blind man to go wash the mud off of his eyes so that he could see again. But for Nehemiah, the damage that he saw at that day, it was so bad that even his animal couldn't travel through it. 
I'm thinking jagged rocks all over the place. Apparently, it was piles upon piles of destruction. And you think it may be for a minute Nehemiah's heart might have sunk. I've got to rebuild this. I, I got doubters telling me I can't do it. Now that I've, you called me, I put myself up to the king. I, I trusted you, Lord, and now I'm here. Look at this. That's our sinful side talking. The faithful side goes, okay, it is what it is. I see. Um, let's get to work. You got to learn to divide yourself apart from one side of yourself from the other. That sin side has to go. It's there, I know, but you got to concentrate on your faithful side. Okay, God, I see all this mess. Okay, we planned it. Let's get on it. Let's just get to work. Nehemiah 2.17, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach, which is an insult. And I told them of the hand of my God, which has been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, it's too much trouble, let's go home. Christian, what did they say? Get encouragement from this. They said, let us rise up and build. None of that, it looks too hard. None of that is too overwhelming. I can't do this. What have I gotten myself into? Let us rise up and build. Let's do it. Christian, burn that in. Let us rise up. Then they set their hands to do this good work. Amen. Ooh, that's good. We're going to get it. Let's, let's go. <laughs> now, finally, it was time to let other people know. Before, it was just the king and the queen. Now, he's finally telling the guys that were with him. But before he could talk to them about restoration, he had to get them to take notice of the situation first. Very important. Before the restoration could begin, you first need to see the shape you're in. He said, y'all see the mess we're in. Do y'all see the trouble? Let's rebuild so that we will no longer have insult. Christian, I'm going to tell you, before you can rebuild, before you can be built up in Christ, you first need to recognize how bad a shape you were in, in your sin. Some people come up and say, oh, I gave my life to Jesus. Hallelujah, I'm saved. And they never looked at the shape they were in. You first have to see the shape you were in before you can build and restore, okay? You got to realize, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a destroyed mess before you can be built up. Very important here. Nehemiah 2 and 19. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us, and they despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? I answered them, and I said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we have servants. His servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. He says, are you going to rebel against the king? Who are you? He could have said, you know, well, King Artaxerxes said we could do this. King Artaxerxes, that would have been stealing credit from God. He didn't go to King Artaxerxes. He said, the God of heaven will make this happen. Friends, when you get a calling and somebody doubts you, don't cut God out. Don't, don't discredit him where he is due, okay? 
So word got to the officials. They were haters, Jew, Jew haters, and they were already trying to mess up the work with ridicule. Don't you just hate it when people ridicule you? They tried to demoralize them, to break them down, to break down Nehemiah's team. But Nehemiah had a quick answer, didn't he? He knew that God would prosper them. Christian, I want to tell you, this world is making fun of you. It ridicules you. It laughs at you. It tells you you can't because it's trying to break you down and demoralize you. You remember what God called you to do and that God is the one that's going to make it happen, not them. Please remember that. I know there are people hearing me, maybe in here, maybe through this mic somewhere. You are depressed. You can't take it anymore because you're listening to what the world's telling you. You're letting the world demoralize you. You need to know who God says you are, not who everybody else says you are. Scripture says you're saved. You're a son of God. I'm a son of God. Don't tell me that I'm less because God has called me to this. So Nehemiah had a fast answer. God's going to prosper us. And anybody that stands against this work has no right to any of it. That's important. When people tell you, no, you can't do it. They have no right to what you're doing. Don't listen to them. Nehemiah had a special relationship with the king. Christian, you have a special relationship with your king. And the king gave Nehemiah authority. Christian, Jesus has given you authority. And he also gave Nehemiah power to do this work. Christian, Jesus has given you the power to do the work that he has called you to do. Shouldn't matter what everybody else says. When God calls you to something, whether it's his call for your salvation or whether it's a call for you to pursue ministry, whatever it is, maybe he called you to another job or I don't know what it would be. You don't have to know first what it looks like ahead of time before you start walking. All you have to do is obey and go. It's all you got to do. Takes a lot of trust. Well, God must know what he's doing. I really want to know what this looks like. But God must know what he's doing. Obey and go. Again, when I was called to this ministry, I had absolutely no idea what it would look like. I had no clue. I had no idea what would be waiting for me when I got there. God put the pathway in me some kind of way, and just like he did for Nehemiah. And so when the Lord calls, obey and go. Obey and go by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You don't have to see it first. I have never, with my physical eyes, seen Jesus Christ. But I know by faith that he died on the cross for me in my place and rose again. I have not seen it. Blessed are those who who believe and have not seen, Jesus said. You don't have to know first what it's going to look like. You just need to obey and go. Now, God put his plan into Nehemiah how to do it, and so Nehemiah acted on what God put into him, on that and on that alone. Same as me. God called me into ministry, and he even got me hired at a job that carried me all the way through seminary. I, I thought I was going to be in, in, in a pastor's position or at least in a church within a, within a month or two. No, I had another decade to go. And I got a job that had me employed that whole decade while I went through seminary school. As a matter of fact, I beat out 300 applicants for the job simply because the Lord influenced my boss to hire me. 
I remember my boss had a big three-ring binder like this. He took all the paper out of it and threw it in the recycle bin, and it went funk. It hit so hard, I felt it through the foundation of the floor. I'm like, good night. What did you just throw away? (laughs) He goes, oh, you ought to look at these. And we pulled them back out. He goes, go through that. And they're all resumes. I'm like, you hiring? He goes, no, those are all the people you beat to get this job. I said, no, to be honest, uh, those are all the people that God did not call to this job, and he influenced you to hire me over them. Because I've got a mission, I've got a goal, I've, I'm going to be a minister someday, and I need this job. And so I got a chance to minister to my boss, who thought he hired me, but it was like the king moved to hire Nehemiah, but God moved him to do it, right? Psalm 138.8 says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God has some purpose for you. He will fulfill it. Don't doubt that. Don't give up on it. Don't quit, even though people are telling you otherwise. God has a purpose only you can do. I cannot do it. Anybody else in this world can't do it. You're the only one because you are unique. He will fulfill that. Your calling is God's work, though. Something I want you to remember. My being a pastor is not my work. I know I stayed here and messed with the AC and the electric problems. I know I'm playing with fans and cables. and all. That's not my work. It's the Lord's work. Your calling is God's work. Don't ever feel like it's all on you. That's what I want to help get a burden off you. It's not on you. It's the Lord's work. God knows you are limited. God knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. It's His work. God chose you with a special purpose in mind. All you got to do is obey and go. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to see it up front first. Just obey and go. Oh, but Ray, I need to see it so I can know how to plan. Nehemiah didn't see it first. God put it in his heart. Obey and go. Nehemiah was sent out with God's covenant plan to restore Jerusalem. Jesus was sent out with God's covenant plan. To restore you. Jesus came to restore you, and there was no royal protocol that held Jesus back from wanting to get to know us. There was no protocol that said made Jesus go, wait, I, y'all are too low, I can't do that. Jesus said, but I know them. I want relationship with them, like Nehemiah and the king. He broke protocol. Hey, what's wrong? Hey, come here. Let's go talk. Relationship. Nehemiah had relationship with the king. But friends, before we can talk about restoration, before we can talk about building you up, we first have to take notice of our situation. You got to know the situation first. Romans 6.23, here's our situation. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's your situation. I want everybody to be rebuilt in this congregation. I want everybody hearing me on the radio. I want you to be rebuilt. I want you to be restored. But you first have to know what's wrong. Nehemiah was scared to death of being executed by the king. Friends, we should have that same fear of Father God in us. Fear of the Lord God for being executed for the sins that we have committed. In fact, Scripture says that fear of God is where wisdom begins. 
And so now I'm going to say the same thing that Nehemiah said himself. He said, you see the distress we are in? How we lie, waste? Nehemiah said, look at all the destruction. Look at all the insult that's here. So can you imagine if the guys that were standing with him, they're seeing all the walls broken down. Can you imagine if the guys standing there said, well, I don't see anything wrong. The animal can't even walk around. It's so busted down. I don't see nothing wrong. You know how many times I've told people about this all have sinned and that we deserve death for it. And people actually say, well, I I don't see anything wrong with my life. I try to get them to see the situation they're in. I don't see anything wrong. But for those of you that do see what's wrong, you do recognize the sin problem in your life. And perhaps the damage is so bad piles and piles of destruction, that it's just impossible for you to be able to walk through it, to get out of it. And maybe up till now, you're like one of those guys standing with Nehemiah on the destruction, and you don't yet know about the plan that God has for you. I want you to know that God has put it in my heart, past all the faults I have, and past all the fears I have, Like Nehemiah speaking to the king. See, when I tell people, but you're sinners, I'm scared sometimes of what people are going to do to me for telling them you need Jesus. You need to repent, turn around and get out of that old life. You need to go this way and be rebuilt. I'm oftentimes scared to tell people that. But right now, like Nehemiah felt, right now is the time to finally tell you. 1 Peter 5.10, the God of all grace who called us, Look at that, calling, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You want to be rebuilt? Good. The scary part for me is telling you that you need to look at your situation, but then you need to know that God has called you to restoration. I know there's damage and insult in your life. I know people have laughed at you. I know people have ridiculed you. I know it's hard to bear that insult. But Jesus offers you a calling, the call to eternal life. And you don't have to see what eternal life looks like first. I don't know what it's going to look like yet. The Bible says no man can, no mind can comprehend or imagine how great it's going to be. I don't know what it looks like where we're going. I don't know. I just trust it's going to be good. And that God will fulfill it. That this is God's plan. He's got it all figured out. And he wants to put it in your heart. All you got to do is go and obey. Just obey and go. And you're going to have your own sand ballots, your own Tobias people who are going to try to demoralize you to try to break you down. But those who stand against this work of the Lord have no right to any part of what you're going to get. If they don't have a part in it, don't stop for them. Keep going. Stand ready with the same quick response when the people come to ridicule you for being a Christian. Oh, you do that Jesus stuff, you Bible thumper, you. They want to hit you with that? You have a quick answer that Nehemiah had. He said, the Lord will prosper me. The Lord will prosper me. And when you tell people the Lord will prosper me, you know what those people are going to do? They're going to watch you to see if it comes true. 
And when they see the Lord prosper you, they're finally going to break and go, I want some of what you got. How'd you get it? (laughs) Then you can tell them the gospel. Nehemiah had a special servant relationship with his king, and he sent him out on a mission uh, with authority. And likewise, I have a special mission. I have a special relationship with my king, and he sent me out with the authority to accomplish a mission also. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I have a platform called a pulpit. I have a platform called a radio show. You do have a platform. It's just different than mine. Not any better. It's just different. Use your platform and tell people the gospel. So whenever people deny your calling, remember, they are not the ones that called you into it, and they're not the ones that can call you out of it either. No one can stand against your calling when you have been personally set, been sent by the king, like Nehemiah. Hey, the king sent us with permission and authority. King Jesus sends you to do this mission with permission and, and authority from him. Sharing the gospel is not easy. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. Oftentimes you feel like you're getting nowhere with it. I've known people that have shared the gospel a long time. They don't seem to be getting anywhere. But chapter 1 says that Nehemiah got the bad news of Jerusalem in the month of Kislev. And chapter 2 that we're in says he finally got the chance to speak to the king about it in the month of Nisan. That was four months that Nehemiah had to wait. Four months from the time he heard the report to the time he finally said something was four months. Jesus said in John 4.35, he goes, Do you not say there are still four months? And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. We had just recently studied about planting seeds. When the, the, the saying there meant when you plant seeds, you're going to have to wait four months or so before anything grows up and becomes of it. You've got to wait a while. He was teaching his disciples, sometimes we labor a while before anything comes from it. You may be laboring in the gospel right now, and nothing's happened yet. You're wondering, where's the, where's the productivity from it? Nehemiah fasted and and, and prayed for four months. Nehemiah's harvest finally arrived, where he finally got to tell the king. He was scared of it. He prayed it. He fasted it. But he worked for four months before anything produced. I want to encourage you, whatever it is you're working on in, in God's plan, you've been working a long time, and maybe you feel like nothing's happened yet. It's going to produce. Maybe your harvest time just taking a little longer to get there than others. I know life seems long. It seems like we have a long time to wait for to see anything happen. I just want to encourage you, your harvest will come. Just keep working. If you feel defeated because of the long wait, because of the insults of people that they throw, they throw insults on you and you suffer under it, I want to quote Nehemiah again. He said, Let's rebuild so that we will no longer be an insult. Keep working. Your day of being being rid of insult is coming. Your harvest is coming. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. And friends, all we have to do is go and obey. Matthew 10, 7. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.